Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Counselor Next Door, a weekly podcast coming to you from Marywood's very own Counseling and Student Development Center, or what we like to call the CSDC. Thank you for joining us as we tackle mental health and wellness from a counselor's perspective. Each week, we'll be bringing together a counselor from the CSDC or a member of the Marywood community to give you some food for thought on topics related to health and wellness. We hope our time together will help you to get to know us, counseling, and nurture your own wellness during your time at Marywood and beyond. I'm Sarah Morali. I'm your host for today, a counselor trainee at the CSDC, and this week we're sitting down with Dr. Leah Richards-Palmeter. Today we're going to unleash all that Marywood has to provide. Social work is one of Marywood's core academic tracks. But today we're going to ask Leah to unravel the inside scoop of social work and what being a licensed clinical social work means from a LCSW's perspective. So, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Dr. Palmeter, Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't mind, uh, can you share a little bit about who you are, your role in the Marywood community, and how long you've been affiliated with the university? Yes, thank you so much, Sarah, for having um, me on and really sort of thinking that my ideas um, are valuable to other people listening. So. Anyway, so I've been here at Marywood for 20 years. Um, I started literally a couple months after 9-11, and that's when higher ed sort of took interest in understanding um, diversity and inclusion and sort of understanding that they needed to have someone who guides um, the institution in, in, in that kind of way. So, um, and, and honestly, and, and I'm a social worker, and I really feel looking back over the last 20 years that my role as the diversity officer and now the, the student equity and inclusion officer here has really been to be the social worker on an institution or yeah. at an institution of higher ed, yes. right? To sort of understand problems. I mean, sort of relate to people, so establish relationships. Um, sort of get a needs assessment about what they need and then find resources. So that's sort of, for the last 20 years, that's what I've been doing um, along the way here at Marywood. Um, I'm a black woman, a woman of color. I'm short, so <laughs> I'm just giving you some important. perspective. It, it is really important to see the worldview or to understand the worldview of a short person. I'm a mom, um, and honestly, that role is super important to me, and really how I look at other people and how I engage with other other people is as a mom. So what kind of, you know, information or education would I like to impart on on my kids and, you know, but then establishing that listening too, right? Oh, so, you yes. know, as moms, as parents, right? Yes. Um, how do I help you and, and how do you help me? And I don't know everything. So it's really important for us to have this relationship so I learn. Yes, it's a mutual relationship between my, I have the child perspective. And sometimes listening can get tough on both ends. And then also bringing in uh, your profession, but then also realizing that you are a mom. And when you get to turn off maybe being a social worker and be a mom, or when you get to turn it on and be a mom, and how to balance that. And then it also sounds like with Mary Wood that you've had quite a role here across the years. Uh, and, you know, if you don't mind, uh, how do you think you would define social work if asked? 
Huh, social work really for me and and in, in how I teach it is really understanding that the world revolves around relationships and engaging in those relationships. So understanding sort of give and take and understanding vulnerability, sort of your own and other people's vulnerability. And and really what I've worked hard with as, you know, a woman of color in Northeastern PA and, you know, visually I am a minority. So I work with a lot of people around sort of the self-awareness, right? So understanding implicit bias, um, the implicit association test. I mean, it's one of my favorite sort of what I mark to for students to go (laughs) just to understand who they are for that moment in time. But self-awareness, having this inventory, so understanding your likes, dislikes, your values, sort of who and what you are, right? And getting that straight before you engage. And because then you're more open to them and and then you get to work with them across sort of a table um, and having that understanding. So um, social work for me, relationship building and from that I mean you grow and the other person grows as well so it's it's providing them resources sort of helping them understand where they want to go and what options and opportunities are available Mm -hmm. to them and um, you know encouraging sometimes challenging them to yeah nudging nudging (laughs) exactly the gentle nudging the rolling with the resistance yeah we know exactly exactly and as a mother you know the gentle perhaps sometimes a little foot, right? Just <laughs> nudging them, you know, along, um, but doing it, you know, like side by side, you know, yes. maybe, yeah. you know, and the arm around and, and knowing that there is that support. Mm-hmm. Let's do this together. Let's collaborate. Let's have that mutual give and take as much as we can. Not here's, I'm going to tell you what to do. Exactly. And here's what you should do. And, you know, when you have a question, here's the answer for it. That's Sarah, that's exactly right. And, and then sort of another part of social work education is just that what you were talking about. Yeah. But also then we have the responsibility to then look into sort of the macro, look into the community and understand sort of the laws and um, policies, practices, and try to work with those as well, using them as sort of a client as well. And when we can impact that area or that arena we're supposed to impact that area in that arena and try to make you know sort of the societal the systemic changes that impact our client systems right and make those changes absolutely i think the social justice perspective that we were talking some about earlier and how i come into the room with bias that um sometimes i don't know like you said implicit bias and when I bring that into the room and I don't recognize that, then that stems from a system that I was a part of. And so how do we have that representation? How do we have that understanding? Um, How can we provide empathy if we don't understand the bias we come into the room with and then also advocate for our clients? So from our perspective at the CSDC, we're big on advocacy, we're big on outreach. Would you say that social work has that same type of mindset? Oh, absolutely. Um, you described it way better than I did, but yes. <laughs> that, I mean, well, thank you. <laughs> no, you, you, just, you just did. You have the better words. But that's exactly right. And having that, that advocacy 
and and sort of that that understanding um also and, and i i know you know counseling social work psychology we're all trained in understanding um you know in this intergenerational trauma and here i'm taking it a little step deeper but working especially with communities of color and understanding how yes. that plays you know with this implicit bias right yeah. and understanding how that the the, the trauma the generations does impact that community or those communities perhaps a little bit differently and yes. but then it, it inspires the empathy from yes. you know the, the counselor the social worker the psychologist that's at the other side of the table um, but but the the awareness of that yes yeah I think a, a cornerstone is awareness for absolutely. sure absolutely it's like it's foundational yeah yeah it's right there it definitely the, is mm -hmm. um, I know that I have some social work buddies, and they say that the social work phrase is lean into discomfort. Is, yes. is, that, is that true? That absolutely is yeah. true. And again, with your pretty words from before, it's sort of leaning in, right? And, and because, you know, and being aware of our own sense of being uncomfortable and our own vulnerabilities, right? And yeah. uh, I don't know, and how, do, how does that happen? But leaning in and understanding that's a part of the process. And it's a valuable part of the process and nothing to, to fear or avoid um, because it, it makes those interactions more authentic and it helps both, you know, sort of you learn more as the, the clinician and then the client system is able to see your authenticity and, and willing to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And imagine, too, how you can role model that authenticity without saying that I'm being authentic. Exactly. They see it. And then, you know, the goal, at least for me, as I'm starting to develop, and it sounds like we are like-minded, is to see how the client can develop on their own their self-esteem and their authenticity and their positive reinforcement. Not much happens with negative reinforcement as we come to learn. At the same time, we have that self-story, we have that self-narrative that is intergenerational. And being able to process that with someone is a vulnerable, courageous choice, and that when we stand with them instead of yeah. here's me the expert exactly exactly um and the authority and you do as i say exactly. and and they then have that example that they carry with them when they're not in your office right and so and i i do and, and i listen to clients and they say oh i heard your voice in my head um you know telling me or i i thought you might say this or want me to do yeah i mean right so they they remember and take these these home these nuggets home with them and then use them at the at the times that they need to um which i just find is being very very valuable and important but it's because you're authentic um and and clients can tell when you're not yes <laughs> very easily yes they can they absolutely can um, you know, one of the questions that we have for you is, what is a myth of social work that you just want to debunk right now? Hmm. There's a bunch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but people usually like associate social workers with sometimes some of the, the worst kinds of behaviors. And I know historically, I mean, it was like social workers that 
could sometimes separate families. I mean, social workers were known to, you know, like in bigger cities. So um, if, if mom and kids were getting some kind of aid and dad happened to come back, right, yeah. then saying, oh, no, dad has to go because the aid is only for mom and kids. So, you know, or social workers um, taking kids away and putting them in foster care. Th those kinds of, and, and some social workers, you know, have to do that, um, but that's not all of us who do that but then they are just fulfilling right the goals of of those policies and laws which need to be changed and and need to be evaluated from different perspectives more of equity and social justice and looking i mean are we really serving families when we try to separate them no absolutely not um and i, I one other myth i mean and i do believe social workers really work well with counselors and psychologists, yes. you know, in a multidisciplinary kind yes. of team. Um, and we understand that is usually a goal, mm -hmm. that it's not going to be us alone, yeah. that we're going to attach client systems to other professionals yes. to help along the way. The relationships. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. See, I'm learning. Yeah. Look at you. Exactly. Um, you know, because one of the things that um, we hear and I don't necessarily think that it's heard because people um, are trying to come off rude or whatever, but that like one is better than the other, you know? And I share a very, again, like-minded perspective as you, is we are all valuable, multi multidisciplinary team, and we all bring different perspectives to the table. And how incredible is it to open ourselves up to those multiple perspectives instead of shielding ourselves from what another professional can bring even in our own profession i don't like the well we're we've the counselors versus the social work versus the psychologist versus the doctor because then that is the client versus the social worker and the doctor and the counselor and i feel like and i'm interested to know what you have to say about how you approach that when you are either sitting with clients or even in your role at Marywood. Yeah, it's for the better betterment of, of the client system. And it's interesting, um, just had a client last night who I felt from my perspective and my work, so, you know, in sort of the resource gathering and attaching cl the client system to the resources, that my perspective was sort of limited. And I did tell my client in my private practice last night, okay, we need to make referrals at this point. This is as far as I can lead you, right? Um, and so now, and I, and I gave um, the client, so names of a counselor, a psychiatrist, you know, just uh, different um, different options for them to pursue because I felt that I also needed that, you know, sort of that consultation. Yeah. But having that understanding that I don't know everything, yes. and in my practice, I cannot provide everything to others, and that my my world needs to be larger to help yes. um, to help myself understand sort of what's available, but also the client. And there's more, you know, there's more than the social work, the social worker or the counselor or the psychologist that we all have our roles and we all have our strengths in working with, you know, clients and, and, and they all, you know, at various times. And I work too with building this sort of circle of colleagues that yes. I feel comfortable, you know, yeah. referring out to. 
the network. The network. Of yep. like-minded individuals that share the foundation. Yes. And then also can provide what we don't know. Yes. And what we do know. Yes. And how we can work as a team. And it, just a different, unique perspective that I, you know, just I know will help my client sort of get to, you know, sort of and make the breakthroughs that they need to make. But it's important to realize that there are others in our network that um, will will help and are valuable and, and we need to have these professional um, working relationships with because you never know who you're, you know, who you're going to get as a client. Yeah, you don't. You don't know. And then having that network and the relationships and the resources right. for your client. Right. And just the perspective. And, and I know you and I spoke earlier. And, you know, I, I, I was trained back in the day that mental health and substance abuse were very were two different sort of tracks. Wow. And so understanding. And now I, I, I've definitely learned that they, you know, can be combined and a lot of times are and I I try to in my you know mental health uh, sort of roles bring in some aspects of the 12-step program for my clients because I just believe it's it's good for everybody yes (laughs) yes having those understandings but but marrying for me trained you know back in the day that was something that I needed to do and then that's something too I believe you know in, in social workers counselors and psychologists psychiatrists we need to be trained you know consistently and we talked about the supervision having other people to talk about you know sort of clients and what's going on and, and narratives and stories so valuable consultations yeah. and one of the things 12 step states is spiritual progress over spiritual perfection and wow that i believe like you said is something that comes from the big book as they say but i think that anyone can benefit from absolutely and having i mean having that awareness and i know i i always when i'm doing my assessment always ask about you know the spirituality yes and oftentimes you know they'll tell us or or people say well should i go to my pastor right you know should i talk Uh, well no but you know we can talk about i i i understand how that might be important in your life and and we can work with those um sort of issues but having that understanding that people are holistic right Mm, and that includes the the spiritual aspect yes and that you know and we talked about this in our last podcast as well how spirituality is much more than um, not that religion isn't important because it absolutely is it's a component of spirituality for sure it's also broader and it looks different for everyone it truly truly does some look at it as you know when my beliefs match my values match my actions some look at it as those things that you just can't explain that you get goosebumps from but you feel totally whole and grounded some look at god some look at buddhism some look at you know other types of religions that help them with guidelines especially when they're confused and so i i I think it's so valuable you ask that on your intake because even if they don't know, it's opportunity to, in, what, I don't even know what the word is, it's opportunity to investigate. Explore, Explore. with them. Explore. Yes, that's investigate. That's a great word. Yeah, to, to, because that's part of how we live our lives, right? I mean, having those um, sort of guidelines and issues or, or just feelings, and we may not know what they are. Yes. Um, but given the opportunity to discuss. Absolutely, absolutely. And the 
um, when we feel so tight and hold on and, and we're holding on to something and we don't have the explanation and we don't know the reason why and we can't control it. We live in a world of uncertainty, but we're also people that love certainty, especially now. And sometimes being able to toss that up, uh, you know, and look at your spirituality, it brings you balance. Yeah, it's so beneficial. Yes, yes. I like that brings you balance. I like that. I'm going to use it. (laughs) Thank you. You can. Absolutely. (laughs) No copyright here. Awesome. All right, Leah. So one of the things that we also... um, wanted to ask you so what is one thing so it's going to be two questions in one so what is one thing you wish you'd know before you got into your career and what advice would you give someone with knowing that Hmm. so what i wish i knew you know i wish i knew that it could take me so many different places um so you know different parts of the the country that that I've worked in and you know and and only because of family situations right um but then seeing the need for social workers you know practitioners counselors all over all across the country so I've worked in Denver and Chicago Indiana upstate New York here in Pennsylvania and in South Dakota and I tell you so I'm a native of South of South Dakota and seeing and understanding and I knew you know from my books and I you know social work is really tied to cultural competency but then seeing it for yourself and and I still am touched by and the experiences I had working for a state hospital in South Dakota and working with the Native American population I mean that was my best education and view of the work that is still needed to to have to happen um, in in our country and 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 really has so changed me in in how I think about and relate and and one of my first well and then so taking that and moving to Indiana and as a social worker as I said at the time mental health substance abuse um, one of my first jobs was in Gary Indiana um, uh huh. Uh huh. Much different from uh, much, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yep, <laughs> and from South Dakota. So I just mentioned Native Americans, and so you know we're supposed you're supposed to have a good suit, right? Yeah. It's a good suit, kit and heels, because in case you had to walk a long, you know, a far distance, so heels that were heel healed enough, but not really high, so you could walk a long distance. So that in a briefcase, right? So go to Gary, Indiana. I'll never forget it. Suit the kitten heels. And my first sort of assignment was to go, it was, it was mobile therapy before mobile therapy, before we had that, that phrase for it. And I walked over a body bag. There had been a murder there. And I was then to work with the family, the children and the woman afterwards, totally unprepared. I was prepared, as they told me, suit, kitten heels, briefcase, and had to step over a dead person's body oh to get into the house and was totally unprepared. And I wish someone had said, I mean, so there there literally is this range that anything can happen. Um, And and it doesn't matter if I had the suit or the kitten heels. I mean, those actually probably were a disservice to me. Like the goal is to get there for the client, right? And so, but I felt 
I just felt awkward, you know, just in that, that little outfit, it, it costume, it, it really felt, it kept me away from what my real intent was, and that was to engage. And, and so that taught me just, just be prepared and have this bag for anything. It really doesn't matter how I look and what yes. I wear, Yeah. right? It's yes. the work. It's yes. the work and the relationship. And I'm sorry, yeah. I forgot the second part of the question. <laughs> no, honestly, you answered it because it sounds like with your experience, it was very symbolic of, you know, that appearance yes. ideal that some of us have. Yes. And when you were able to let go of that, you were able to get into client care. Yes, and like connect. And connect. That, it, it, that is perfect. It kept me away. That suit yes. kept me like, away from yes. my work. Exactly. Um, and, and, but understanding letting that go and, and understand you, you're making this your own, right? Okay. So from what you take, the supervision, the books, and all, all your experiences, you then, you, you do have the right to make it your own. And don't be afraid of that. Yeah. To make it your own. Exactly. And you know what? You answered the second part of the question because you were going to say, what advice would you give someone going into social work? And it sounds like, you know, lean into that courage. Um, lean into making it your own. There is no way that works for one person that will work for another person. Embrace that authenticity and embrace that uniqueness. Exactly. No cookie cutters no. at all. No cookie cutters. <laughs> Not and, here. And that's that's what I feel is valuable. And actually then working, you know, almost like the 30 plus, uh, maybe it's even closer to 40 years that I've been working. And it's the people that are more authentic, right? And, and sort of embrace their own sort of goofiness or yeah. whatever, right? Right on. Yes. <laughs> For sure, that, yes. Lean into that. Yeah, just lean in and it will all be okay. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of embracing and leaning in, like we said before, we're the Counselor Next Door Health and Wellness from a counselor's perspective. So how do you engage in wellness both personally and professionally? So I really try. Every morning I'm up at 530 in the morning and I try to do some kind of exercise. So I find that exercise, even though, I, I mean, I hate it, but I know it's, it's good for me and I find anymore, you know, I crave it, but I, I find for my mental wellness to give myself some, you know, just like a minute, just like, okay, that time that I need to set everything right and, and think about things differently in my head, but not out loud. Um, so the exercise definitely, being out in nature is very important. Um, I mean, I'm not the hiker kind, but you know, the walks, like being out and enjoying that, hearing the birds, you know, just taking inventory of my environment, I For feel, sure. is very important. Yeah, um, mindfulness. Yes. Another, yes. talking about spirituality, we were talking about before, people find going into nature, and it sounds like that's something that you really enjoy to help with your wellness. Absolutely, and it's something I encourage, you know, all, all my clients, you know, yeah. to take part in as well, and just, right, <laughs> to take the, the moment that we all need, especially from, you know, the last 16, 17 months. Yeah. Do you find that gratitude is something that you practice that because it sounds very it sounds very gratitude, but wanted to see from your perspective when you think about gratitude, do you think that goes into your wellness? Yes. And, and, and that's like a newer concept. I mean, I have done that, but then a newer concept. My husband has taken that on to you know sort of gratitude letters gratitude times i mean he in as much as i've built in other types of things with my clients he has built in sort of having this time for gratitude and, and showing it to others and you know sitting down with someone in the letters um and just letting people have that opportunity to 
hear and absorb all the positive, you know, yeah. goodness and, and all the, the, the kind things that others have to say. Yeah. So, but having that, and, and I find too, you know, as a, as a mother, um, I, I practice and use gratitude for really sort of everything, you know, that's involved in my life, but in my kids' lives too, and being just very thankful for, you know, just, just everything, and even some of the bumps in the roads, right? Sure. So they have lessons to learn, but, but knowing that and calling it out and not just thinking, oh, please just let everything just go well. No, we want people to <laughs> yes. have lessons. Yes, for sure, yeah. Uh, it's that, um, I almost like to call it when we think about gratitude, it doesn't need to be these big, you know, uh, awesome, amazing things that happen, although they can be. It can also be as simple as, I'm grateful that I'm waking up next to the person I love today and that I get to walk outside my room and see my kids and, you know, shifting that perspective of even during those challenges and during those times to find gratitude in learning from them and what can I take away from this. It might, it might have sucked. It truly might have at the same time processing that and then being able to look at it and say, all right, but I've grown and here's how I've done it. Yes. You say that so beautifully. And I mean, and that's really sort of the essence that we're trying to leave people with, you know, from the last 16 to 17 months, right? It it is sucked, but we've learned and we've grown, you know, and we've survived and it's taught us things about ourselves, you know, some really, really good, some not. So like, oh, okay. Um, Some (laughs) that we want to tweak, but yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, And, you know, one of the things now thinking about, um, even now where we're at in the current times, uh, what are resources, you know, if you can give us maybe your top three that you use for personal and professional growth? So I, <laughs> reading, um, so reading um, research, and um, I find that I'm doing that. I find that what I'm trying to do is engage in these relationships, but to the point of working with individuals and knowing what things they would like to be involved in. So working with students. So I've been on, I can't even tell you how many dissertation committees. Um, Not because I tend, you know, I'm the expert in in what they're going, you know, what they're trying to study, but, but that process and knowledge and understanding and how then those things relate. So, and, and I love going to the research forums anymore. I used to not, I used to think it was work like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. But hearing what's going on and how other people think about life, right, in a non-therapeutic way. So, so constantly learning because I don't know it all. So podcasts also, books on tape, um, engaging with people that I necessarily wouldn't have engaged with. Like I, I freshmen, um, I'm finding myself with, you know, sort of the undergraduates trying to, engage with them, you know, just to help them on this plan for, you know, to find them the resources. Um, And then I find spending time, and I've really been making it sort of like this habit, and making time to spend with people who are older. Um, So, and listening to their stories and trying to sort of record that. So, okay, understanding the past, right, and sort of 
making it or absorbing that and, and integrating it, you know, for the future and sort of seeing that that different kind of perspective. So, but you know, it all relates to establishing relationships and, and having this personal growth for myself. Um, so I would encourage other people to write, to, to keep on learning and however it, it best happens for them. Um, and uh, maybe involving themselves in, in different um, cultural um, explorations um, to have you know, deeper and broader sort of understanding and then acknowledging our, our old people and history. As a lifelong learner. As a lifelong like learner and to understand how things have changed just for perspective, mm -hmm. right? Because we, we tend mm -hmm. to think that you know, we're the center of the universe and it's yes. our way or you know, yes, or the highway. But hearing how, how things were and then trying to understand how, how we got to where we are. Um, everything that's been going on, you know, sort of culturally and, you know, to be a person of color, a community of color, understanding our history. There's some aspects of history that I've learned this year that I never knew never knew so I need to go back <laughs> and learn it sounds like even going back to like you said our history in the past how it transpired into our present and then thinking about future um, and not from the perspective of fear and anxiety although that might come up more so okay let's look at our past how has it impacted our present and what can we do about it and it sounds like for you, engaging in that lifelong learning process, going to forums, reading research, and you know the experiences you've had moving across the country. Uh, you don't necessarily need to move across the country, although that brings experience, but getting out there, getting out there. and seeing the different systems. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and as you were alluding to, I mean, being hopeful, because yes. there is there's, there's so much hope. Um, there's always been hope and, and being a part of it, right, and, and making it happen. Yes. As we say here, capital H-O-P-E, yes. hope, for <laughs> yes. sure, for sure. All right, Leah, so before we wrap up, uh, what if you had to say the top three words people can take away from this podcast episode, what would you say they are? Hmm. Relationships. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> Authenticity. And in learning, um, I, I would say I would say those would be the top relationship, authenticity, and learning. Well, Leah, thank you so much for being here today. We are speaking of gratefulness. So grateful for your time and your insight. As we wrap up, we're hoping that this conversation may have sparked something for our listeners. So, how can they connect with you? So, oh, please. Um, so here at Marywood, it, and really, I mean, I, I, yes, I pride myself with really wanting to engage and, and having these, these relationships with the community. So contacting me here at Marywood, um, can I give my contact information? Right on, please do. So it's, it's the, the letter L, palmeter, at marywood.edu, or 570-961-4799. And honestly, I mean, call, chat, uh, we can meet, you know, socially distant um, <laughs> and, and, and talk or, you know, just, just say hey or, or whatever. Yes. 
Awesome. And we so appreciate that openness too, Leah. And as always, we are here for you at the Counseling Student Development Center. Reach out to us at csdc.m.marywood.edu or give us a call at 570-348-6245. Especially if you are interested in individual counseling services, attending one of our many spectacular groups, and special shout out to April as it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So look at our social media pages to see what we have in store for you. You've been listening to The Counselor Next Door. A special thanks again to Leah for being our guest on today's episode. And we'll be dropping every Friday our next episode on April 22nd. Most importantly, thank you all for joining us. And until next time, be well and have health and wellness from The Counselor's Perspective.